Hey, everybody. Bleeding, Claire and Cobalt. We are back from Miami and St. Louis. We'll uh, recap the messy circus experience in South Florida, the outstanding St. Louis City experience, and then we'll look ahead to this weekend's home opener in Sandy, America First Field, 12 noon against LAFC. Chicho wearing the captain armband against his old team. RSL looking to reestablish Utah soil as the home fortress that it has been for so, so long. And that and much, much more right here, Bleeding Claren Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fiber. All right, Ryan, uh, apologies, my fault that we weren't able to do a show from the road last week. But uh, as everybody, I think, knows, we left Utah, went to Miami on Monday night. We stayed there Tuesday, played a game Wednesday, stayed there Thursday, flew to St. Louis Friday, played that game Saturday and got back. So um, in some ways, I think because the team had been on the road so much with Portugal, Santa Barbara, um, so many hotels and planes like last week was uh, felt like maybe an extension of preseason a little bit. Obviously, um, the first half of the game in Miami may have looked and felt like a preseason game. The guys, you know, I've I've read that people are like, oh, they're starstruck with Messi and it just, you know. We're still in the time of year where certain guys are at different stages trying to regain fitness, trying to regain sharpness, trying to play with each other. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, there's some funny stories around the St. Louis game and Matt Crooks. And, and um, you know, all in all, I think would we like to have more points out of those first two games? Absolutely. I think uh, everybody is probably going to spend most of the year looking at that St. Louis game and saying that should have been three points. Um, obviously, a little more clinical finishing in front of goal, not having the one breakdown on St. Louis's goal. Um, all in all, though, I think Pablo and the coaching staff uh, feel really good about the St. Louis performance that maybe we suffocated uh, City out of the game a little bit. Certainly the second half in Miami, much, much better than the first, but Miami is just such an interesting animal. Obviously, the messy circus um, trumps all, and you know we definitely have players that have spent their lifetimes looking up to and watching Messi, Busquet, Suarez, Jordi Alba, um, and looking up at them as inspiration, as iconic players. Um, it's it's just, I don't know how to describe the experience. So Miami, for those of you who don't know, is playing in a temporary stadium. It's, it's up in Fort Lauderdale. It's on the site of the old Miami Fusion Stadium, which used to be called Lockhart. Uh, they have a very nice training complex there, but the stadium feels cramped. It does feel a little bit, I think I heard the term, erector set used. It's a little more permanent than other, I think, previous MLS stadiums that have been called erector sets. But, um, you know, for those of you who don't know, Miami is also trying to you know build more of a permanent uh, stadium as part of some like probably $5 billion complex down in Miami by the Miami Heat Arena. Um, I think that might open in 2025, but I feel like they've barely broken ground. So 25 might be ambitious. I'm not 
certain on the details of their stadium project. But I would expect the next time we go to Miami to play them, who knows if Messi will still be there or not, but I don't think we'll be in the same stadium. But anyway, it's a great field. It's easy to grow grass, right, in South Florida. You, it's a nice carpet-like surface. But um, it is a zoo. It is a circus, and, and a lot of that has to do with Messi. So the impression that I got is that even for people that work for Inter-Miami, it's probably hard for them to do their jobs because you just don't have freedom of movement around that building because of the messy level requirements on security. So, you know, we get to the building, credentials are, you know, have different access permissions than I think what we typically have on the road. So, you know, I couldn't get into our locker room when I got to the building with the team because my credential wasn't the right status or the right access. Now, it was rectified very quickly by a very nice security gentleman named Daryl who told all the security guards in, like, the tunnel and in the locker room area, like, this person has per my permission. So I got Daryl's blessing. No more problems. So it's just little things like that. Obviously, there's a lot of extra because it's the first game of the year. It's a standalone. It's messy. It's Suarez's debut. The commissioner is there. Apple TV, Taylor Twelman, Jake Zivin are like their A team, their number one team. Um, you know, so like Diego Luna on his pregame interview had to wait an extra, I don't know, five minutes because the commissioner's interview went a little long, right? The producer in the Apple truck is is juggling a million things. We're all juggling a million things. Um, there was a time in my life, Ryan, where I would have probably fought against the grain on some of this. But Wednesday, I just there's so much going on. We had ownership there. We had a lot of um, of our of our corporate partners there. We had a big traveling contingent with a lot of different needs. So people are trying to figure out what suites to be in. We have 300 traveling fans and a nice big sliver at the goal that we were attacking in the second half. Um, so it was a it was a good experience. I would say the game day part of the experience, like the energy, that was a lot of fun. It, I think it, it may have felt like, are we ready for this? Is just like I joked after the game, like I'm really glad our final preseason game was against Messi and shown on Apple TV. You know, um, obviously, if we had played better, maybe uh, we would claim it. But look, it counts in the standings. Disappointing not to get a point or three points. Um, I think collectively the group was disappointed that the first half was so lackluster and. I don't know. Maybe we did have a couple guys that were starstruck. I don't know if I want to put that on them. I think it's just hard. Like we're implementing a new tactical system, new ideas, new combinations of guys are are, are playing together, um, and it just wasn't a good first forty-five. The second forty-five, obviously, much better. Um, I think I think there's decisions that Chicho or Gomez or Luna or whoever Pablo Ruiz playing in the ten. They might want those back, but um, you know the second Messi goal or the second Miami goal, I should say, set up by Messi was a little bit against the run of play. You end up with a two nothing scoreline. This is a very tight knit group, as we've talked about for several years, but they're pretty even keel too. I wouldn't say the emotions were off the chain after the game. Like it's one of thirty four, so nobody was ready to go jump off a bridge, right? Um, the interesting post game 
stuff was, you know, Ruiz with his child, his son waiting to get a picture with Messi. Um, I think we've seen that on his social media because when he was with Argentina with one of the youth teams six, seven years ago, might have even been longer. It might have been 2015. Uh, he got a picture with Messi. So there was a side by side I saw on Twitter this week. Uh, Chicho ended up getting Messi's jersey, but he wanted a picture with Suarez. The the like back of house where the locker rooms are across from each other down the tunnel, it's just chaos in there. There's a lot of security. That's where you know usually in an MLS post game situation, you know teams are trying to load up equipment, get on the bus. We weren't flying out that night, so we had some extra time. Uh, the the media setup was different, so there's a mix zone. So like you know we're doing our zooms. We got. Diego Luna going out to the mix zone. We got Chicho going out to the mix zone. Obviously, a lot of international uh, British and South American reporters were in town for the kind of the the season kickoff. So there's just a lot of extra press box, super crowded. Um, but all in all, I wouldn't say it was a bad experience. It was, and I wouldn't even say it was surreal. Um, what I'll take away is is spending five minutes before uh, warm ups, just hanging out with Javier Morales on the field giving him a big hug, catching up. He came and chatted with us at, at Thursday's training session as well. Um, Javi still loves this club, still loves the fans, um, still believes that he'll be back here someday. But for now, he you know he's very well regarded in Miami. Um, his son signed a senior team contract, Santi. Mateo's in the academy there. Um, they are living their best lives in Miami, and they're a prominent part of that organization. So um, I think there's there's a lot of pride tinged with some disappointment around that, right? So um, we train Thursday. The starting group from Wednesday night, they did a pool workout at the hotel. The other guys came out to the field. Um, then Friday morning, we had a full team training early got on a plane at one o'clock or two o'clock and flew to St. Louis. So, um, again, tight knit group vibes are good. Uh, Matt Crooks did get his visa and got in late Thursday night. So he trained with us on Friday morning, despite probably not getting a ton of rest and not probably knowing what time zone he was in because of, uh, you know, coming from England and the flight and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but it was good to have him back around the team. You know, he'd been around the team in Santa Barbara. Um, obviously, Crooks is is a tall guy, and look, everybody's tall to me, but he's six five. He's um, he's bigger than Hamasan Olave. He's bigger than Gavin Beavers. Um, and I think you'll notice in Chicho's goal celebration in the St. Louis game when when everybody's in a big uh, scrum. You know, there's one guy that's head and shoulders above the rest, and it's obviously Matt Crook. So um, I want to hear your impressions of both games. So let me just, like, the St. Louis game, I think, was much more representative of, I think, what everybody feels like this team can be about and is about. Um, a lot more coherent, both uh, attacking and defending in St. Louis. Um you know, Chicho again with the captain's armband. Um, he's a quiet leader, but very serious, and guys really do kind of rally around him. Uh, we talked about it a lot last year, right? All the extra work that was being done after training sessions, led by him and his finishing uh, drills, all that kind of stuff. So, look, I, th I think, uh, you know, we'll look back at St. Louis and say, hey, we should have got three points there. Chicho might have 
might have uh, finished a couple other opportunities. There's plenty of other guys. Uh, Anderson Julio had that one at the end that was cleared off the line that could have given us the full three points. I think, you know, Brian Vera, uh, Diego Luna might look back at their actions on, on the St. Louis goal and say, hey, we could have, should have done better. But again, like the Pablo's message to the team after the game was, guys, we've been on the road all of February. We get to go home. We get to spend some time at home. But if you play like that, you are going to score a lot of goals. You are going to win a lot of games and capture a lot of points. So hopefully that is, um, you know, we build on those last three halves as we go into the LAFC game this weekend. And, um, you know, now that Crooks is here, you know, Ruiz can go back to probably his more natural position as a deep line playmaker in the pivot. Um, but who who bounces, right? Because Emeka Anelli, Pablo Mastroeni said that was his best game as a professional and he was immense. Brian Ojeda's numbers uh, in the advanced metrics were every bit as good as Emeka's and he did a lot of the dirty work that I think it's hard for people sometimes in certain games to appreciate, but those two were really, really good. And then obviously you've got Nelson Palacio waiting in the wings to uh, to stake his claim there. You've got Andres Gomez outside. You've got Diego Luna with a great little heel flick to one time to Crooks. Crooks with the one-time pass to Chicho for the goal. Um, there's a lot, to I think, to be excited about. And I think as we go through March, hopefully we see that foundation kind of solidify. But I think in many ways, Ryan, this team feels a lot like last year. Uh, very deep, very solid, and I think it's a matter of who steps up. You know, does Diego Luna and Andres Gomez do they step up and and fill the scoring and assist um, vacuum left by Savarino? Uh, what does Crooks bring in terms of goals and assists? Obviously, he brings a lot of aerial attack. The comparisons to Demir, I think, are natural. Uh, because of his size and, and his place on the field. Um, what can Chicho do? Can he score 20 goals? I I think he's he set a target at like 17 or 18, so basically one goal every two games, and he's on that pace right now. But with the right service, what, you know, with a healthy Pablo Ruiz, um, with Katranas when he gets here, what does he bring into the attack? What does Oviedo bring into the attack? Brody, Anelli, if he's not playing in midfield, if he's playing at right back, you know, Bodie Hidalgo had a great performance in St. Louis. Um, so there's just there's just so so much to be excited about. I'm sorry I've rambled on too long. I do want to hear you know your impressions of of first Miami and then obviously uh, St. Louis as we uh, get ready for LAFC here in a few days. Yeah, I mean, it's been a whirlwind. And I think that that idea that this is kind of the preseason, it's a little bit hard to, it was hard to get my brain into the MLS regular season mindset, even when, you know, the ball was already rolling in Miami. But I think that, you know, we are seeing some things, maybe having not seen some of the preseason play, you know, this is the first time a lot of us were able to even get a glimpse of what was this team looked like. Maybe that was leading to that a little bit. But yeah, seeing that team on the field and seeing, uh, Jay Glad go up next to Messi and all that. So you said surreal. I, it, it was, I mean, you said it didn't. The, the difference would be something like seeing one of our guys on the national team. I think it's, that was kind of what it was feeling like. That was is that it's, it might be weird to say. I think we are kind of we do kind of get swept up in the whole Messi thing. I think it's hard not to. It is one of those you know it's somebody you've watched and played on video games for the you know, <laughs> decade plus, and now he's playing against your guys. I think that's an interesting thing. Um, 
seeing Glad's clear out clearance off the line. What's an interesting uh, dynamic to uh, Pablo's uh, tactics there to have yeah. that to have them all up, up on the goal line during a free kick, which does take away the advantage. It takes away an advantage of like pulling people off sides, but yep. it also when someone can pick out the the top corner yeah, from anywhere. It's, it's funny because I heard the coaches talking about this, and I think the thinking was. To your point, even though maybe if there is a rebound or something, you're sacrificing, you know, the ability to pounce on that. The I guess the psychology of it, if you put somebody on each post, you've got the goalkeeper there, you've got Messi or whoever shooting from twenty five, that maybe he presses to either be too perfect or maybe hit it a little too hard. The harder you hit it, generally the more off target you're gonna be. Glad clears the header. Could Zach have gotten to that particular free kick? Yeah, probably. But um, it's funny because when they're lining up, everybody's like, oh, my God, what are they doing? And then when Glad heads it off the line, people are like, oh, that's a really good way to defend that free kick. <laughs> yeah, that, that I do want to throw it to Zach there. Zach would have had would have been all over that. But also he had the chance to play exactly where he wanted to because he had the support from you know guys on both of the posts so i think yeah an interesting interesting tactic not something i was expecting to see you know from that's you know that's who knows how many times that'll pop up during the season or yeah. if anybody else it'd be interesting to see if other teams um come sure. up with slightly similar tactics when they're uh, you know facing a <laughs> a messy free kick from right outside the box um one of the things too i was noticing that you know just listening to the broadcast i watched both games on the apple broadcast the thing about about Miami were being kind of uncovered by what RSL was doing, and yeah. even if you watch the Miami game the next week, the the LA um, Miami game, the amount of times that RSL was brought up during that game, uh, the RSL game, because uh, things like um, running Suarez into the ground so he can't, he can't mm. he's less effective. That yeah. is one of those things you're you're kind of seeing the couple things that uh, that that team's going to be struggling with uh, Busquets, who is. Not exactly the Busquets that we remember watching, but it definitely a presence. But the way that RSL handled him seemed to be the blueprint that uh, he was handled by a Galaxy. Yeah, and both of those Suarez and Busquets were both taken out of those games pretty pretty significantly. Um, unfortunately, you know you don't ever want to see those games kind of devolve into a messy show, and then they finally did. But whatever, I think moving on to to St. Louis, um, what I think was brought from you know Wednesday to Saturday was the the idea well we can't take our foot off the gas at the beginning which i think is a normal mls idea i just think maybe the coming out coming out a, a little bit faster a little bit harder like from the very beginning was was uh was definitely necessary and i think it kind of showed that i think that uh all of the different things that were working for rsl um were kind of the culmination of i think this team kind of coming together it was interesting to me to see when crooks finally came in how much different the attack looked and not and i'm a, I, I think Luna's doing great. I think it's one of those things that the attention that he's getting is uh, a mat is turning into this means that everybody on the field is looking at him, mm -hmm. you know, from the other team. I think he's getting when he touches the ball, there's three or four, you know, boots coming up, you know, trying to take the ball off of him. I think that he's having he's trying to find the game, I think, a little bit in a way that's uh, maybe a little unusual for other people on the field. I think you like talk about a McAnally and the yeah. things that he's been able to do this these last two games and obviously what an incredible player he's mm -hmm. he is and he's he's maturing into um he doesn't get the, quite the same attention when the, the ball's on his feet right. as as luna does which i think is to you know that's yeah. i think that the ball's at his feet so much because luna is kind of mm -hmm. being dragged away a little bit a shout out quick to the um 
the digital team and the the replay of the the goal, which yeah. um, I'm not sure who was the one on the camera there shooting that, but what an amazing capture there. But you see the 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 back heel pass from Luna over to the right outside foot of Crooks to yeah. the perfect touch from uh, from uh, Chicho, and then as that was happening, like. Um, I have a habit when I'm watching games. If I think it's going in, I say goal before yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. And all of my kids are watching with me. My my two boys, they were like, they started yelling goal as soon as it, as soon as Chicho before touched Chicho it. Yeah, as, as soon as Chicho touched it, yeah. it was like goal. Yeah. You know, because I'll I'll do that. And like we knew it was coming. It was it was felt like something that was inevitable for two full games worth mm. of of play. Um, you do want to see. I think Chicho, like you were talking about, does Chicho have 20 goals in him? I think Chicho has. Anytime he touches the ball, it's a sure. it's it's going to be the they, someone has to stop it from going in the in the in the back of the net because Chicho has got that kind of quality. I do think he is very much more of a opportunist type of striker. Mm -hmm. I think that those type of guys, I think Messi kind of fits in that category too. Mm -hmm. Like the when I see him and look at his uh his highlights, the the goals that he scores constantly are the ones that are kind of nobody expects it to be the ball to be in a dangerous place or it's against right. the run of play or it's a, and not to say that he can't score from 25 yeah. yards out because i know i've seen him do it, that kind of stuff but when crooks came in the ball started bouncing around in the box and outside of the box the way that i think works <laughs> the best for chicho uh when julio came in in that you know yeah. who started, what julio started doing not to say anything uh, i mean there were some things that were happening in this game i'm like this this could be sure this could be a dangerous team to come up against i know we kind of we definitely go you know you know glass half full yeah, type yeah, on yeah. this but but seeing those things like i when i'm watching these games i'm also like a bundle of nerves all the time well, like they what do they have how, how are they possibly yeah. gonna and as things started to come together i was like man this is this is could be good this could be uh crooks has a different way of being on the ball and when crooks is in the field how do you focus on luna when crooks has the ball yeah. you know, how do you focus on either one well, and honestly like the guys are excited right they're on the field they're trying to implement these new tactics these new patterns which is increased possession you know it's funner to play the game with the ball than without the ball right they're trying to penetrate more centrally than what we've seen in the last couple of years with that 442 and the wingers but um when you have crooks ruiz anelli um luna gomez chicho julio whatever those combinations are the guys are excited about their ability to combine with each other to play. You see it perfectly, as you mentioned. I think Luis Marin was the was the videographer that got the slow mo of Bodie to Crooks, Crooks to um, Diego. Diego does the heel flick back inside to Crooks. Crooks one time up to Chicho, and Chicho I think took a second touch before uh, you know on his shot. But it was still just real quality stuff. As you mentioned, it got more and more exciting again those final 20 minutes after that, right, um, as well. And you just felt like RSL is going to score again. We were unlucky not to. Um, my favorite post game was, um, you know, Crooks really because of his travel and he hasn't he hasn't really been around the team much. It's been a couple days here and there, right? He was never with the team in Portugal. Catranas was for a week. Um Crooks was in Santa Barbara, but he's part of a different training group. So he basically said those 28 minutes or whatever he was on the field with, it's the first time he's ever played with Chicho and Luna, and it ends up being a great goal. Luna will end up getting a secondary assist. It hasn't happened yet because the league has gone away from Opta, and there's they're, the data company is now a German company, so secondary assists are completely foreign no pun intended concept to them, but uh, you know, we do think that's a big deal, obviously in, in MLS and, and that's a proper second assist. But anyway, like 
and so after training, you know, the first training earlier this week, we were all joking with Crooks because he's like, yeah, now I finally got a training session with Chicho and Luna. So, like, that chemistry is going to grow. I think Pablo Mastroini in his post game, in addition to saying, hey, that was Emeka Anelli's best game as a professional, he really likes having Crooks out there because, you know, we were a pretty young team. I think our average age in those Miami and St. Louis games was like 24 and three quarters. So it was under 25 years old. But you put Crooks out there who just turned 30 right before he got here. Um, he's somebody that has a similar foundation or baseline of, of, of experience as Chicho. They both played over 300 professional games in their career. So even though Chicho and and Crooks, his nickname is Tree. I don't know if that's catching on or not, but you know they're almost on the same kind of intellectual level or experiential level. Where even though they haven't, they don't have a lot of physical reps together. Maybe they read the game uh, with some similarities, and and certainly we saw it in that goal. Um, looking ahead to LAFC, like you know, last time Chicho played against LAFC, he had that 81st game winner, 81st minute game winner on the road, great uh ball swung in by Rubio Rubin from the wing and uh hopefully Chicho can uh, recreate that here uh this Saturday. Before we move on real quick, how would you how would you say Pablo Ruiz is doing with his first, you know, significant minutes back as from Yeah, I think you know I th I like the idea of Pablo Luis being closer to goal and po and closer to Chicho. Um, now that being said, Pablo is still trying to get back to 100% form and fitness after his knee injury. Um, he's ahead of schedule. He did well in the preseason, especially once we got on the grass in Portugal. Um, I think it's okay for fans to be maybe a little disappointed with his performance and say, hey, he needs to go back to his normal position. I don't know. And maybe that happens this week, right? Like if Crook starts, Ruiz is in the pivot, who he's probably next to Ojeda, maybe Anelli based off of what happened last week. I don't know yet what the lineup is going to look like, but I don't necessarily expect Ruiz to be 100% in that position either, you know, even though – there are probably certain mental aspects of being in that spot on the field where he is on autopilot or maybe some things are a little more automatic than they were the two games that he played up in the 10. Um, I still think conceptually, wherever his starting point is, getting Pablo Ruiz on the ball and combining with Luna, Crooks, whoever is next to him, Chicho, even the opposite wing in Gomez, because so much of Pablo's game are those big switches uh, from a deep lying spot and changing the point of attack and 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 you know that teeter totter effect it has on the defense with like trying to recover and then you recycle and you find that's what creates the gaps between the lines and maybe that's what allows Chicho and Gomez or Luna or whoever to get behind the back four of the opponent. Um, you know, it, it's going to take probably a few more games for for. Not just Ruiz, but every like Ruiz is coming off an injury. Chicho was late to preseason. Crooks was late to preseason. Gomez and Palacio were late to preseason because they're playing for you know they're doing Olympic qualifying for Colombia. Um, you know, Glad, Vera, Brody, the goalkeepers, Hidalgo. 
Anelli. You know, those are the people that have been around the whole preseason. So those are going to be the guys that are probably fittest, sharpest. Um, you know, Luna missed a decent chunk because he was with the U.S. Um, Luna, Barajas, Beavers, they all have various uh, national team call-ups coming up in March. Um, so, you know, that's just part of the sport that, and part of the world we live in is guys are in and out for club and country. And if you look at our roster now, I mean, we have eight guys that could play in Copa America this summer, including Diego Luna. Um, f- four Colombians, a Paraguayan, um, um, you know, Pablo Ruiz could play for Chile. He's been on their preliminary roster in, you know, last year on several uh, FIFA windows. Then, you know, then when you add in what Luna, Barajas, uh, Beavers, uh, even like Xavier Gozo, you know, those guys are all contributing to the youth national teams. Barajas, he might play for both Mexico and U.S. youth national teams in these next couple months. So um, it's just it's just fascinating and it's interesting times. And, you know, these are high-class problems. This is what happens when you've got a lot of talent out there. And, uh, you know, I would love for Chicho to get back into the Colombian national team setup. Uh, under, um, Anderson Julio is in Ecuador's setup, right? Like he got a cap last year, his first cap. So, you know, he's a p- another possibility for Copa America. And that's not till June, but there are tune-up games. Um, there are qualifying. Uh, the youth have to qualify for their World Cups. In the Olympics are in July. We got uh, potentially an Open Cup uh, slate of games maybe to worry about. We've got Leagues Cup that starts in late July. So, Again, those are some of the reasons that I think this year might be similar to last year, but I think we're we're more than well equipped to handle it. We've got guys coming up through the academy. Um, the Monarchs are going to be awesome this year. Like they're flying. There's a lot of talent out here in this building in Harriman every day, and it's just super exciting. All right, that's the soccer portion of this week's show. Uh, coming up next, our man Zach Barnes, the supporter liaison. Uh, I give him a different title in this interview. I think it's better actually, but uh, he's the man that does uh, try to connect all the different fan groups with uh, the front office, the events, the game day, and even non-game day events. So, uh, really exciting to hear this rundown from Zach about what is happening on March second, March ninth. March 16th at America First Field in Sandy for the first two RSL games of 2024 and the Royals NWSL debut on the 16th. All right, as promised, we are sitting down with, I don't even know how to properly introduce you, Zach, but I'm going to say... super duper fan ambassador for lack of a better title obviously representing the riot brigade connecting the front office with uh a lot of fan activities is that is that a good place to start um that's a good place to start i represent the riot which is the overarching group riot brigade is actually one of the subgroups correct okay thank you for that clarification um I should ask to get my official title changed to that. I think it's better. My official title is a supporter liaison. Supporter liaison. Yeah, that's boring compared <laughs> to whatever boring. I just came up with. It is boring. Um, but anyway, Zach, we really appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes here today. Obviously, we're just a couple days away from the home opener, March 2nd, Saturday, RSL LAFC, 12 noon, the earliest kickoff in RSL's history. That may or may not end up being a good thing. We'll see. Um 
I've recommended to some people complaining about that they should just not even go to bed the night before, like get hammered, stay up, come to the stadium juiced and ready to go. Sorry, I'm not advocating that. But um, anyway, you know, you and I ran into each other at the town hall uh, earlier this week with uh, RSL president John Kimball, head coach Pablo Mastroeni, chief soccer officer Kurt Schmid, Tony Beltran, Jason Kreis, Brian Dunseth hosted it. It was a really good turnout, a lot of fantastic discussion over about 90 minutes, mostly about what's happening on the soccer side. But obviously there are always stadium operations concerns in those town halls and all that stuff. But um, in chatting with you about the things we've got coming up uh, the Saturday against LAFC on March 2nd, March 9th, Rocky Mountain Cup game against Colorado. Then we have the Royals opener on March 16th. So March is a big month uh, for the club. And obviously that means it's a big month for the fans. So um, I thought having you here to kind of lay it all out there for our fans to know what is happening each of these weekends uh, in the tailgate lot, in the stadium, and what kind of things people need to be aware about, uh, be aware of, I should say, is just a, a good place to start this season. And um, first, just what has you excited about RSL's 20th season, 15th, I think, in Sandy at what is now America First Field. Obviously, a big point of emphasis from everybody in the club, especially the soccer side, is kind of recapturing that fortress, rewarding the Riot fan base. Uh, we talked a lot about that in that town hall, but uh, I guess just I'll turn it over to you. What has you excited, and, and what do you want the fans to know and expect about where we're trying to go this year? Yeah, I think we've brought in pieces and players that will hopefully get us back to where we were. Uh, like I said, making the fortress again. Um, and that's definitely something we were missing last year, right? Home wins is yeah. huge. And we want to get back to that point where we're winning at home. And my emphasis is going to be on the fans to We have to create that atmosphere, create that advantage for our players. So then hopefully we can help push them for those home wins. Yeah. Um, so let's look ahead here this Saturday, March 2nd. I, I noticed or I noted the early kick, but... Homebrew competition like we've had in the Home past? Homebrew competition. I believe it is the 15th. So I think they've done it every year at that stadium. That's awesome. Um, and so Section 26 hosts the homebrew competition. So we have homebrewers make different beers, ciders, um, different all sorts of alcoholic drinks, some non-alcoholic as well. Um, and then people taste them, vote on them, and they get a little of reward for it. Um, so that starts at 9 a.m. Okay. In the tailgate, the 90th yeah. lot. On the north side of the stadium there, um, and then it'll go to eleven p.m. or eleven a.m. p.m. Sorry, yeah. a.m. and that's when we'll start our march into the stadium. So okay. a traditional one hour before kickoff, cool. we all march in the stadium together, flags, smoke, chanting, kind of bringing the the vibes yeah. to the stadium. One of the things that you should be aware of, and talking to Jason Christ after the town hall, he has a he has a thing, and okay. maybe we could call it a pet peeve. He he is constantly saying, how do we get fans in the building earlier? I know this is a Utah thing. I know this has been going on for 20 years. It dates back to Rice Eccles. It goes to Rio Tinto, now America First Field. Utah, yeah. But I did tell him I was going to bring him out to the tailgate lot on Saturday and just talk to people about, yeah. hey, what are the things we could do? And I think, I think it's fresh in his mind because when we were in St. Louis last Saturday, and I get St. Louis is a different – animal their stadium honestly is amazing but just the fan culture around sports there it's a drinking culture uh as you might imagine in you know budweiser's world headquarters yeah. or whatever but 
like literally an hour and a half before the game, the concourses were packed wall to wall. And it was a lot of food, a lot of drink, but also a lot of activity. So, uh, you know, Jason and myself and a few others, Dunny, Tyler Gibbons, you know, we were talking about, okay, what, what are some of the activities that, that we can create? And obviously, you know, there's some probably real estate around the stadium that needs to be paved or repaved or developed a certain way. I know parking's a big issue. Um, one of the things the club and the city of Sandy have not done is just paved over all this green space to create more parking. So I'm thankful for that, but I also understand there's a frustration and, you know, we're introducing a shuttle from Southtown Mall that hopefully is efficient enough that the people that do choose to adopt that um, or use tracks, like it's hopefully it's simple and easy and efficient for them. But time will tell. But anyway, um, obviously, I love the tailgate lot experience. And that's why I told Jason, hey, we got to get you down there, get you interacting with the fans and and hear their ideas. And, you know, I think the march that we've been doing the last few years is really cool. But how do we make that bigger and better? How do we get more um, more people adhering to that tradition? Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I wish I had it simple. Yeah. Sir. Um, something I advocate for, it was just first come, first serve in all parking lots. Because it forces people, they don't have a spot waiting for them. I know it's controversial it's for different idea. departments, but yeah. if there's not a parking spot waiting for them, it forces people to come sooner. If people are hanging out either in a tailgate or they're going to be hanging out on, like I said, the concourse, they're going to go into the plaza, activation with the sponsors and all that stuff. So I think that's something I personally advocate for. Um, it's a good idea. But obviously public transportation needs to improve in Utah. I think that's something none of us want to pave over green spaces, like you said, but um, it's tough to not clog neighborhoods and that and where the stadium is built as well. Um, so it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, looking ahead uh, to March 9th, Rocky Mountain Cup, that's always a, a pretty galvanizing fan event with Colorado coming to town back at a normal uh, 7.30 uh, mountain kickoff on the 9th again, Saturday night. Um, are we are we doing TIFO for that? I know you've talked about having a uh, massive uh, flag presence as well and try to – keep that uh, tradition growing also. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to plan anything large, but we never like to spoil our surprises as well. So, you know, stay tuned. Maybe something will happen. Um, but yeah, it's Rocky Mountain Cup. We'll have the cup there. It'll be in the tailgate lot. We'll march in with it. We'll have it throughout the south section um, throughout the entire game. So we encourage people to come down. If you see it being passed around, get your photos with it. Um, it's the People's Cup, and we want to give it to the fans and the people to enjoy um, so come see it down at the tailgate lot, and then we'll take that first W, and then hopefully we'll get the second one at home. And then our away trip to Colorado will just be a breeze and joyous celebration, which <laughs> is always fun to bring the cup there and be like, oh, you didn't win it. Yeah, and I think we get them twice here this year. Is that correct? Yeah, they're yeah. both early. It's March, and then I think May 20th, yep. and then we play them away in like June, I think. Okay. So it's pretty quick. Interesting. Um Let's talk about that march from the tailgate lot. Obviously, we've we've seen the pictures. We hear them uh, led by Barra Real around the concourse. But it starts down in the tailgate lot. Is that the, right? Yeah, it starts down in the tailgate lot where all the kind of groups have their little tailgate sections. Okay. starts right in the middle there. Um, and then we march to the stairs. We typically stop singing when we go up the stairs because a lot <laughs> the stairs suck. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of regroup on Ramondo Way. March around the north side of the stadium. Um, we have a special entrance for the supporters okay. that we come through. So we get expedited through security there, yeah. um, through the plaza, and then we carry on, meet after security. We 
regroup and then restart our chance march all the way down to the south end and so for a 12 noon game saturday what time does that generally try to start okay cool and that's good because we want people in the building a little earlier than normal um this week because we are going to honor uh chicho arango who scored his 100th career professional goal in St. Louis, as, as most people probably saw in the game or on social media. So that's a really special moment for him. It's been a, a massive goal for him since he got to Salt Lake last year uh, with 91. He very much wanted to, to make that happen, I think, last year. Obviously, injuries, uh, the hamstring at the end of the year may have slowed him down a bit, but he's super excited about that, and we really want to honor him properly. And if we can have uh, 20,000 people ready kind of at the end of warm-up, so 10 minutes before kickoff, to do that, that could be a really cool moment. Um, Absolutely. And then, so we've we've gone over LAFC a little bit. We've gone over Colorado on March 9th a little bit. The following weekend, uh, two weeks from Saturday, is the Utah Royals. I guess their second inaugural game. I don't quite know what to the, call it. The but debut. Yeah, yeah. So I believe that's a five thirty Mountain Time kickoff on the sixteenth. Um, but that's going to be another just fantastic. A milestone moment in the history of uh, our club and the sport in our state and our community. And um, what kind of things uh, are you thinking about for that, Zach? Um, yeah, we definitely want to honor the women's team coming back. Uh, we're super happy to have the Royals here. Um, and so, yeah, we'll definitely be working on some big projects for that. We don't necessarily have times for that. Um, it'll be during the weekdays okay. coming up, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but pay attention to the Riot Socials. We'll put that out through the fan groups. Cool. And, and whatnot. So. Yeah, and just so everybody knows, we will do another Royals-specific town hall uh, probably on the 13th or 14th, so that week leading up to the opener, so that people can come here from uh, head coach Amy Rodriguez, President Michelle Heinzik, and then also uh, the sporting director, Kelly Cousins. So uh, exciting times. We're all kind of doing double duty to make sure that the, the Royals get up and running appropriately. There are some really fascinating and talented people that have joined the club uh, with Royals-specific jobs as well, and I can't wait for all those people to uh, to be introduced and, and, and be integrated into our little soccer community here. Um, Zach, what have we forgotten? Is there anything else that you want to get out there about how people can really be tied together uh, on social or otherwise to, to really kind of uh, galvanize the togetherness and create a critical mass in support of uh, the teams on the field? Yeah, I mean, I, my biggest thing is always just like we have to work together as fans. We have to come together and do these projects. Um, one I guess one thing that's a current um, project of mine is we are really good at being um, annoying to away yeah. teams mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, but I think we've lost some of our love for our own team. Mm. Um, we used to have, you know, hark back to the days where we had Beckerman chance, we had Romando chance, okay. Boychers would come jump into the South End after, you know, a good save or after winning or whatever. Um, and so we've kind of lost a little bit of that. I think some of that has to do with how the league's changed over the years. Yeah, sure. MLS 2.0 is a little different from where we're at 4.0 or whatever we are now. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like there's, I think there's an opportunity for us to do better as fans okay. and really celebrate those players. Um, we like, we always hark back to those players that we absolutely love, but Jay Glad's been here for what, like a decade now? Yeah, it's 10th year. And it's like, he's, one Can you believe that? Guys. There's only four guys that have played more games than him. Yeah. Or sorry, five. But he's about to uh, overtake, I think, Beltran 
uh, and probably winger uh, here in the first half of the season. So, yeah. I, you know, by July one, you know, if if Justin stays healthy, only. Beckerman, Romando, and Morales will have played more games for this club. And he's still only 20. He, today's his birthday. So he turns 27 today. So yeah. that's amazing to me. Um, and so, yeah, people, I mean, people talk about wanting to like players wanting to play here and stay sure. here and stuff. And obviously, we know this place is a beautiful place and yep. it's a great place for families, but let's make the stadium, like make them feel really welcomed here. And we should do that with all our players. Well, and having uh, the the fortune, I guess, over the last couple of weeks to spend a little bit of time with Matt Crooks when he's been coming back and forth with England and his visa and Santa Barbara and then meeting us in Miami, training one day, playing in St. Louis, uh, linking up with Luna and Chicho despite never having uh, trained with them <laughs> before. Uh, he comes all the way from Middlesbrough with a song that uh, I've heard our fans um, at the town hall singing last night and seeing them referencing it on on social about, you know, his nickname is Tree. He's obviously, uh, other than Gavin Beavers, uh, maybe the tallest player by five inches on our team. And uh, the song says something about his hair being fine and blowing in the wind. And obviously, I think he's a guy that's going to integrate himself very quickly into the community. Um, he's got some great charitable uh causes that he's very passionate about that I know he's going to work with Kyle Schroeder and the club in terms of getting those things up and running here in Utah as well. But uh, on the field, he looks like he's going to be a fantastic addition. Obviously, Chicho now is our sixth kind of full-time club captain. I like to tell people that if if Chicho can just keep playing until 2037, he can match uh, Kyle Beckerman's number of years as captain. So if he can get to his age 41 season, so... I don't, I don't know that Chicho wants to do that. <laughs> That's a long ways Ambitious. away. Um, but obviously, we've got Diego Luna. We've got Fidel Barajas. We've got Xavier Gozo. We've got this academy kid, Aiden Hezarkane, like all of whom and many others could have very, very big 2024. So I can't wait to see what the fans come up with with chance for all of them and maybe a, a Brian Vera or, you know, a Mecca Anelli's coming off a massive performance in St. Louis. So, yeah. um I'm excited for the year. I think we've got a very deep team. Can Crooks be that difference maker? Can Luna and Barajas keep growing and become difference makers? Can Gomez mature? Uh, can Julio keep being that that lethal um, change of pace guy off the bench? Like, there's a lot of good things I think happening this year. And it sounds like Kurt and Tony and and Jason and Pablo are all working together to maybe. If they don't add somebody else this window, that uh, they're teed up for the summer to to add another difference maker. So exciting time, Zach. Really appreciate everything you do for the fan base to try to keep everybody informed and connected and growing. And that's at the end of the day, I think that's all our jobs is is capturing hearts and minds and educating people about the team and 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 keeping people excited about uh, soccer in our community as it as it just keeps changing really really rapidly. Not to use a Colorado pun. Yeah. So really, <laughs> no. really quickly. So thanks for your time today. Can't wait to see you at the tailgate, 9 a.m. on Saturday, America First Field. What is that? That's the uh, the northwest the, corner? Yeah, it's northwest underneath the stairs, across the bridge, kind of hidden away there. Okay. But technically the 90th lot. 90th south lot. Yep. All right. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Trey. Have Appreciate a good one. It. 
All right, Ryan, exciting times, a lot to talk about, a lot to get back into. Uh, we'll try to get uh, uh, Matty Crooks here on the mic with us. Katronis is still working on his visa, so he's not going to make it for the opener uh, in terms of eligibility. Hopefully he'll be in the building, but uh, maybe March 9th is, uh, or March 23rd are, are more likely um, game uh, appearance candidates for him. And um We do appreciate you guys downloading, sharing, subscribing, and obviously listening to this podcast. We want you to get to us on the socials at Claret Cobalt on Instagram and Twitter, anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. If you have any questions, hit that message function there. You can also email us, rsltrey at gmail.com. And if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, Please, please do hit us up. We are here for you. This would not be possible without One Wire Fiber and the Adam Sessions. We can't wait to see everybody out in Sandy or in Harriman throughout the month of March. It's a big month for soccer in Utah. RSL's 20th season, America First Field's 15th season, and the new era, new look, Utah Royals FC season number one. We didn't even talk about jerseys and kit launches and all that fun stuff. We'll save that for next week right here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt.